Hey, what's up, everybody? Quick question for you. Do you want to go buy some hockey gear? Like some hoodies and, and shirts and cool stuff with your team's logo and players' names on it and stuff like that? Uh, you can do that at Cool Hockey. But when you do it, go to coolhockey.com slash THPN. Coolhockey.com slash THPN. And while you're there, enter the promo code THPN to get 30% off of your purchase. Coolhockey.com has all, forgive me for doing this, the coolest hockey stuff. And you can go buy it and take 30% off. And by the way, you're giving us a little bit of a kickback, so you're supporting the show. And we like you for that. Thanks. You are listening to the Hockey Podcast Network at HockeyPodNet on Twitter. Download episodes at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, Hockey World? Siren Sounder Podcast, episode 51, right? It doesn't matter. You know how this goes, I guess. A lot of times I get it right, sometimes I get it wrong. At the end of the day, it doesn't matter even a little bit, but I'm pretty sure this is 51. (laughs) So cool. Here we are. Uh, Glad you're joining me. If you are, please subscribe to the feed, Siren Sounder Arcane's podcast, iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, everywhere you get podcasts at. You can subscribe to it there um and also while you're there please rate and review i ask you guys to do that all the time and it's cool because people will like like the tweet when i say hey go uh, rate and review this and then i'll look and be like oh cool people must be doing it and then i'll check the ratings and they're the same as they were two weeks ago so you know if you have time to like the tweet you got time to click the link and click the stars and i'm not trying to be like a pain in the ass about it even though i definitely am uh but you know it helps and there's advertisers looking at us, and the more legit we look, because you know this is legit if you're listening, uh, it helps us out. So I would appreciate it. Take a take a gander at those um, deals you heard at the beginning of the show as well, or the Cool Hockey one. It's real easy. You just go to coolhockey.com slash THPN and shop for your stuff there. Cool Hockey has you know all, all the hockey gear and apparel you would want to buy. Um, and if you enter the promo code THPN as well, while you're there, you can get, um, a good percentage off, save you some money, buy your stuff that way. That helps us. So instead of just buying, you know, NHL gear, like you normally would and not giving us any support from it, you can go to coolhockey.com slash THPN shop using that link and then buy your stuff. And not only do you get your stuff, you get it for cheaper and you're helping us out. So why would you not do that? You know, unless you're like an evil villain, in which case you probably won't do that. Um, but, you know, don't be an evil villain, I guess, is the moral of the story and the name of this episode. If the episodes had names and not numbers, it would be don't be a villain or do be a villain. But don't click the link if you're a villain, because that's not something a villain would do. Anyway, uh, I got a cool episode for you today. Other like definitely besides all of this stuff you've heard so far, because what have I talked about? Um, I got to talk with Matt Soma. 
He runs the Canes Prospects. Whoa, had a stroke in the middle of that. Canes Prospects account on Twitter. Uh, he does essentially independent scouting um, for all of us, for the greater good. And he knows a lot about, uh, you know, everything in the world of junior hockey and NCAA and, um, you know, Swedish leagues and all the developmental leagues in the world, uh, especially with regard to the Hurricanes prospects. So I thank Matt again for his time that he gave me and us, if you're listening, uh, great insight. So that will be in this episode. Hope you enjoy that. Um, you know, you can always follow along at SS Canes podcast on Twitter Shoot me some questions, some some comments, whatever you're feeling. Um, if you want to share something, let me know. And also, um, while we're on the uh, topic of interacting and all that, you can now leave the uh, show a voicemail or send a text and be a part of the show. That way you can call 912-289-7882. Send it a text. It'll come to me. Um, I can share it on the air if you want, or if you want to submit questions that way, whatever works for you, you can basically save that number in your contacts as this podcast text show whenever you want. Um, you can call and it will send you to a voicemail where you can leave a message and I can play that on the show if you'd like, or if you want to ask a question that way. Perfect. So again, that number is 912-289-7882. Please do that. It's awesome to interact. Makes the show better for everyone. And uh, I think it's a cool little tool. I also want to see how well it works. So can't really see that until you go do it. So um, yeah, do it. (laughs) Anyway, again, great episode. Not a whole lot going on in the world of uh, things to talk about NHL-wise. You know, owners... Uh, the league is meeting to continue to discuss CBA stuff, which is good. They should be, you know, knocking that out right now. They don't really have, uh, I say they don't have anything else going on. They have a lot going on, figuring out what the heck they're going to do as far as the plan goes. Um, I listen to, and you should too, it's part of the Hockey Podcast Network. I've talked about it a million times and I've been on it. So you should have checked it out by now. But Ice Analytics Podcast, Dr. Matthew Arp is a really bright guy. And he brought up a point when talking about... Um, like resuming the season and, and, and what the plan would be there that I didn't really think about before. And I kind of, it kind of blew my mind. Like, Oh, this thing is like real gets real weird. Uh, is that say the, the likelihood that they can resume the season and just finish out and then just have the next season be that. I mean, unless you sh- decide to shorten next season. Um, but the, the, the likelihood that they can do that, is, is probably not going to happen. So the fact is you're probably going to get some sort of expedited playoffs and, and how they do that seeding or however they want to do it. It's, it's what happens to the teams that tra- made uh, trade deadline deals and might, excuse me, miss the playoffs. Like what would, what would happen? He brought up the point of what would happen if the Islanders didn't get in the playoffs um, because of the shortened season and they just traded i mean i know that they uh they signed him to a long term deal but like the jg pajo trade i mean the the picks they gave up to get him at the deadline instead of you know trying to sign him in the off season which they definitely could have if that's what they wanted to do um you know how does that work how do you compensate teams or these teams that just picked up rentals and now the season's over or or what if the season doesn't resume at all uh what do you do with those guys 
Um, like, how does that work? You basically are screwing over all the teams that paid for uh, rental guys and didn't get to use them. Like, do you extend the contract? But then the team that traded them is going to be like, well, that's not fair because we would have asked for more if we knew we, you were getting more than just a you know 20 games and a playoff push out of this guy. Uh, you would have asked for more in return. So it's a real weird situation. Uh, and I have no idea how they deal with that stuff. And I would hate to be the person whose job it is to figure that stuff out. All I know is that all these plans about like, you know, the 24 team play in and all that kind of stuff, or people are even including all the teams in this, like making it like a NCAA tournament style bracket where it's single elimination games to get in and, and deciding, you know, the, the rest of the season that way to give teams that at least have a chance to get in a chance to get in. I don't like that at all. And also, why are we including Detroit in any of this, dude? They're mathematically eliminated. <laughs> they shouldn't have any chance of getting to the playoffs. They already blew it. They lost too many times. And even if they won out and everyone lost in the most beneficial ways to Detroit, Detroit still would not make it. And that happened in March. So, yeah. Uh, I don't understand why Detroit... Detroit should be left out of this no matter what. Detroit should be like, yeah, no matter what happens, we'll see you guys next season. Uh, and for everyone else, you know, there's a lot of ideas going around of expanding the... Uh, the playoff teams and essentially having like play-in games. And I just single elimination in a game like hockey just doesn't work. Look, it works. It's, it's more, it's more so like fun for the NCAA tournament, but also you can't have a playoff series. It's, it's too many teams, you know, you can't have any kind of playoff series. That doesn't make sense. Um, and the parody in the NCAA like an NCAA basketball doesn't exist like it does in the NHL. You know, if it's a if it's a five twelve matchup, like pretty damn good chance that if the if the five seed shows up and plays their game, uh, they'll win that game rather easily, and vice versa. I know that the numbers don't really stay behind that. Anything can happen, um, but it's more like there, there's a bigger talent gap usually between teams in the NHL. If you if you have a single elimination games, I mean, if it was Tampa versus Detroit. Hey, Detroit just beat Tampa a few weeks ago. Imagine if that happened like in a playoff spot and a team like Tampa is knocked out and Detroit goes on. Like Nobody wants to see that, man. Uh, even if you're a Detroit fan, you'd be like, well, I mean, we don't really deserve to be here. Like, <laughs> I mean, I would feel the same way about anything. Like, I don't want to see single elimination anything. I think it's dumb. I don't think it's a good idea. You either go off point percentage or... You know, I guess you could say, okay, everybody, I don't know, man. I don't know what you do. I would just go point percentage if you're going to just jump to the playoffs. Um, and it sucks and it's not fair at all, but nothing's going to be fair here. Nothing's going to be fair. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what the heck you do with that. But uh, it's going to be a problem for someone else to figure out. And that's the cool part of that. Uh, Boston's owners ownership group finally came out and said, Hey guys, we're gonna, uh, well, hang on. Let me go find their statement that they made because I thought that it was layered in what I like to call bullshit. So let's go, let's go find it and read her up. Uh, this is what they, this is what they announced. This is their statement. They tweeted it out. The Jacobs family, uh, which is the ownership group there, has established a $1.5 million fund for the Boston Bruins and TD Garden part-time game day associates who will be financially burdened if the six remaining regular season Bruins games are not played. 
We thank our associates for their patience and understanding while we worked through the complexity of this unprecedented situation. All right, let's break down that statement. First of all, there's an if in there. Huh, so you doing it or not? Because it says, who will be financially burdened if the six remaining regular season Bruins games are not played? Which means it sounds like they're doing what, uh, I think it was Buffalo did and said, yeah, we'll pay you if the games get canceled. And it's like, well, what if they don't get canceled for a month and a half once we figure out that this isn't going to work? You're still screwing your people over. And all these other teams are doing it, man. You can do it. It's just a really bad look to, to not pay it. The other thing with this is we thank our associates for their patience and understanding while we work through the complexity of this unprecedented situation. The only true thing about that sentence is unprecedented situation. It certainly is that. I'll give you that, Boston. It is 100% an unprecedented situation. Um, but it's not that complex. Uh, I mean, and if it was, then 31 or 30 other teams wouldn't have already you know, decided to do what they're doing way faster, weeks before you or a week before you. Um, it doesn't make sense. I understand needing to figure out, you know, who's agreeing, who's putting the money where, like, how are we coming up with this money? How's it being split? Who's writing this check? Who's writing that check? I understand all that. And I understand that legal stuff comes with that. And anytime you involve people, uh, you know, it, it, it creates a mess. I understand that that's why like the hurricanes, you know, there was a little bit of a lag in between when the season was canceled and when they said, Hey, this is going to happen. But they were like a few days behind, uh, a chunk of other teams. And, you know, the money's coming from a few different places. And they're also probably trying to figure out like what the exact, they knew they were going to do it. And it's just, how do we, how do we release it so that, you know, we're not like making any statements that could come back to hurt us. Um, with Boston, I'll tell you what happened. They said, we don't really want to fork up this money. And, uh, I don't think we're gonna. And then they just kind of waited to see if they would get absolutely obliterated like they have been for being, you know, uh, just a piece of shit organization or if it was going to blow over and people would forget about it and they could just get away with it. Well, it turns out that people weren't going to let them get away with it. Uh, we were going to remember that they were like the only team who decided not to do this for their, for their workers. Um, and finally they made the decision. So there was like, obviously all the stuff that delays teams normally in making these announcements, they were delayed even more because they were just waiting to see, you know, what would, what would happen. Um, it's, it's crazy. It's ridiculous. Um, it's not cool. And it really does sound like legally they aren't agreeing to pay anyone until the games are canceled, which is basically saying nothing right now. So if you work at TD Garden, I'm sorry, but it sounds like you're getting hung out to dry uh, yet again. So that really sucks. And I mean, that ownership group, come on, man. I know it's a lot of money. I know a dollar is a dollar to any person. A dollar is a dollar. Uh, it, it buys you the same stuff. You know, a quarter buys me a gumball, a quarter buys a billionaire a gumball. I understand. But you can, you, I've, I've, I've just said this so many times, you're going to pay it anyway. You can, you can pay it. And that extra little bit of those, those employees aren't making that much money compared to so much of the other staff that you are paying on salary. So you shouldn't be using this opportunity to save money. 
You have the money. You have the nest egg. These people that work their asses off for you every day and make it possible for you to make all your money playing these games, you can't do that without them. They don't have that nest egg, you know? That's not your fault that they don't, but, like, come on. You're not, you're not required to do this. Like, you're not obligated, but you're, you're really an asshole if you don't. <laughs> like, it's, it would be so easy for you. It would be like if I had an qu- extra quarter in my pocket and not just some random person asked me for it, but some guy that, you know, busted his ass for me and made it possible for me to do my job and make my money uh, was like, oh, dude, I really need a quarter um, to get this thing. Like, it's all I need is just a quarter. And I was like, I have it, but like, it's my quarter, dude, you know? What? Are you a psychopath? Come on. I would never do that. And uh, that's what these owners are doing, and it's, it's really messed up. So, not cool. Um, well... There's somewhat of a rant for you. Just so you know how this is going to work, we've decided as a network, since games aren't going on right now, to go to a once a week schedule. So instead of Monday and Thursday from now on, uh, episodes will be on Monday. So I'm sorry for that. I know that, you know, you're looking for as much content around hockey as you can get right now, but the episodes will be a little longer since they're once a week. I'll have more to talk about. Uh, and it also what it does is it gives me some time to line up some guests. And I have a few lined up for the next few episodes. So uh, you'll get to hear people other than me talk and pause for massive applause because I know that that thrills you all. Uh, and I've talked long enough for this one. So without further ado, check out my conversation here with Matt Soma uh, running the Canes prospects account on twitter follow him at kane's prospects and you can also follow him at kane's Netfront. he's doing a cool thing right now where he's like simulating an nhl 20 a franchise mode creating people who um you know reach out to him and, and want to be a part of it so it's like getting your own player created and then simulated in a franchise it's a cool thing if you're just looking for hockey you know so so hit him up on twitter uh follow all his stuff and uh give him some support Thank you all for listening. I'll be back Monday. Enjoy the interview. All right, I've got Matt Soma here, runner of the Canes Prospects account on Twitter. You can follow him at Canes Prospects. Uh, Matt, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. Uh, getting a little stir crazy here from this quarantine, but you know, I can't complain. Yeah, aren't we all? Um, so if you don't know uh, Matt's work, he runs the Awesome Canes Prospects account on Twitter, which is super useful for all of us that uh, don't have the time or the know-all to pay attention to all these prospects. There's so many different leagues, and uh, you know it goes far beyond just the AHL. There's uh, you know college leagues. There's leagues overseas in Finland, Sweden, you name it. Uh, it's a lot of people to keep track with. I don't know how he does it, but he manages to do so. So what I'm going to do today is pick his brain on uh, some of those topics that he has expertise on that I do not. And we have a couple Twitter questions as well. So Matt, hope you're ready to dive into all that with me. Absolutely. Here we go. <laughs> all right. Um, so I wanted to bring this up first since, uh, you know, unfortunately the season's paused here, but uh, we still have some things that happened right before it did, um, and we can talk about those and maybe bring back some good memories in the process. I wanted to talk about Morgan Geeky. Um, obviously, we all know he came up recently, two games, and already has uh, four points in two games, three goals and an assist. Um, the two goals and assist against Pittsburgh in what was a phenomenal debut. He played on the power play. He played on the penalty kill. 
and then followed it up with a great performance against Detroit as, as well. I think he's got 100% shooting percentage, which is always nice to see. Uh, you know, a lot of us, I think, that have been following Morgan Geeky for a while have kind of could see this coming. But um, what, were, what, are, what are your thoughts on him in general and his development uh, down in the AHL? I mean, first of all, it kind of goes to show that, you know, the organization trusted in Geeky because, you know, they got rid of so many players at the deadline. Geeky still stayed, so it shows that, you know, they knew that they had somebody good there. Um, I've been really impressed, I think, more so in just the fact that he's been able to contribute right away. Because, I mean, as we've seen with most prospects, even with Martin Natchez in the past, like it took him a little bit. But Geeky came into the lineup right away and was able to make an immediate impact. And I mean, you know, obviously two goals and assists in your debut is pretty good, but just the fact that he was able to compete physically, he was able to keep up uh, in terms of pacing and he was able to play both on the penalty kill and the power play. So they used him in all situations and Rod never does that. So it just goes to show like how much trust they had in him. Right. Yeah. Um, and how how much because i i mean i know what my answer to this question is but i'm curious to see if you think the same way how much do you think the last year or two in charlotte has you know turned him into that sort of well-rounded player that can play in all those situations oh it's helped tremendously i mean it goes to show how great of a system charlotte has been for some of our young players and i mean you always want your players to at least this is my opinion you always want your players to over ripen in the ahl rather than to rush them but it it just goes to show that even you know playing a long playoff run last year and you know a full regular season with charlotte how that helped him out and even you know he's played 55 games down in charlotte this year and that's helped him out tremendously too so it just goes to show that you know sometimes patience is the key with prospects and it's definitely worked out for geeky because even he was passed up in 2016 uh, he could have been drafted then. He wasn't. Became a third round pick of ours in his overage year, and you know, just keep, he's keep he's kept getting better and better. So it just shows that sometimes patience is the best way to go. Yeah, definitely. I think that it's 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 nice to point out as well that the Hurricanes have finally reached this kind of point in the last few years uh, with their prospect depth and their NHL depth at that that they can afford to have that sort of patience with guys and let them kind of ripen in the AHL. I think that um, you know we all have seen that. If we're talking five, ten years ago, the Hurricanes probably felt the need to rush a lot of their prospects, you know, immediately into the NHL because they didn't really have anyone better to fill that spot. I think about um, a guy like Elias Lindholm, and you mm-hmm. see what he's doing now at the NHL level. And I mean, I I always respected Lindholm. I always liked what he brought to the game, and you saw him really start to develop kind of into a a two-way player at the NHL level, which is just so much harder to do than at the AHL level or, you know, in the Swedish league or, or wherever else these guys can play. Um, and I think that if the Hurricanes had a little more depth, being able to put a guy like that in the AHL and let him, you know, get used to the North American game as well as kind of hone his defensive side of the game, I think you would have seen him be more of the player he's been on Calgary with Carolina, you know, within two years of drafting him, which is just, to me, Tremendous. And I mean, you mentioned Martin, Martin Natchez and uh, the jump he's made this year. Um, and, you know, even though he's had, uh, I would say, ups and downs along the way, he's been consistently productive, really, if you look at his points. And he hasn't gone too many games without uh, providing some sort of offense. Um, you know, that's a strong part of his game. So uh, I just give 
I give so much credit to the, the coaches in Charlotte. Um, I think I, I wondered along with a few other people, what would it, what it would, ooh, what it would be like um, when uh, Mike Vellucci stepped away, but Ryan Warsawski, mm-hmm. luckily, uh, you know, you get a guy that's been part of the group. He was part of the uh, championship coaching staff last year. And uh, I think he's, he's kind of jumped in and, and we picked up right where we left off with those guys. Yeah, he, he's been he's done a phenomenal job in Charlotte. And I mean, even beforehand, he, he's won wherever he's gone as a coach. And so Warsawski has been a very good coach, especially on the defensive side of the game for a lot of players, which is why I think he, he was so ready to step up just because, you know, his defensive side of the game has really come a long way this year. Yeah, he didn't look out of place at all. And he's also, he's a big guy. I mean, he is, he is, uh, he, I know he gained a lot of weight in the last few years. So obviously, you know, the training regimen they've got these guys going with is, is working. Um, and I think you combine, you know, being a, what is he, six, six, three or so and like 200 pounds. Um, and then, uh, you know, you combine that with the, the two way game that he's developed down there. That's a, that's definitely a good recipe for being able to step up into the NHL and, and have an immediate impact and not have to kind of get used to it. You might adjust to the speed, but um, you're, you're ready. You have the tools to go in there. So, you know, you got to give those guys all the credit for getting these guys prepared. It's great to see. Um, yeah, absolutely. Moving on from a guy that, you know, I feel like some of us know more about uh, and pay attention more to in Charlotte. It's a little easier to pay attention to the AHL than it is a lot of these other leagues. So let's move on to some prospects that maybe some people haven't heard of or have heard of but don't know a ton about. Um, who are some guys that are maybe playing overseas or in the NCAA or anything like that that you think could potentially uh, jump up to maybe the AHL level in the next year or so and become impact players in Charlotte and then maybe guys to look for um, you know, jumping into the NHL at some point? So obviously you have Dominic Bach coming over next year because his loan is up with, uh, I think he's playing for Rogel right now. So he's definitely going to be a guy to look for. Obviously the guy we got in the Justin Falk trade, you know, probably the biggest piece in that trade is coming over and that's going to be really important for us. Um, Jesper Selgren as well, who we saw last year play for Charlotte and earned a a contract. His uh, Swedish contract is up. So he will also be heading over. and then, oh man, from college, college is always a little tougher because you don't know how long these players are going to want to stay. Um, we have a couple seniors getting ready to, to graduate, or I guess their seasons are over now, thanks to the quarantine and everything. But David Cotton, for sure, um, as soon as he signs, will be coming to Charlotte. And same with Matt Philippe. Um, Cotton's a player that people have typically followed because he's been so good in the. Uh, NCAA even for some pretty bad Boston College teams, but um, he, he's a power forward. He, he he's an okay skater, maybe above average. It's it doesn't jump out at you. It's mostly his strength, his size, and his ability to shoot the puck is what really stands out to you. And those are all really key aspects of the game. But I think his his vision and hockey sense has really developed as well. And I think you're seeing a player who can become more of a, a threat in almost every facet of the game as opposed to just the goal-scoring part. But as for Matt Philippe, he's a one of the best defensive players 
in Hockey East this year. He didn't win the defensive forward of the year, but he definitely was up there. Um, big part of Northeastern's penalty kill. And he's another pretty big forward. Let me pull it up. Um, geez. Yeah, he's at least, you know, upper six feet, probably around six three as well. Um, strong on the puck, strong defensively. He had 22 points this year, which isn't great, but yeah, 6'2", and solid in his own end. I think there, there's value in that. Maybe not as like a top nine forward role, but definitely in like, you know, maybe like a okay third liner, good fourth line penalty killer type of player. Other than that, I think that's about it though, because Jack Drury probably will stay in the NCAA at least this year or this coming year because, you know, his season got cut short and Harvard's still going to be phenomenal. And other than that, I really don't know. <laughs> a lot of our European guys that we drafted this year especially are going to stay for at least another year or two. Right. Well, that's definitely a good group. Um, and I, along with you, I'm sure are excited to see how this guys adjust to uh, the professional game at the AHL level. It's obviously, um, it's a big jump from there, you know, from all the other leagues to the AHL. And then it's a huge jump to the NHL. So we'll see if those guys can, can handle that um, and how they do there. Um, all right. This is probably a tough question to answer. And I'm sure you get asked things like this all the time. But, uh, you know, I'm not opposed to asking you the same questions that people always ask you. So if you had to give a, a top three. And these are guys that, I mean, you can do this however you want. You can do it by, you know, guys you think are most likely to make it to the NHL or just your favorite guys in general, like guys you're most excited about maybe. Uh, but if you had to give a top three, one, two, three of your, your prospects, um, who, who would they be? So I'm going to do it in a type of way where, you know, I combine NHL readiness and guys that I think fit the system better. Because if I pick my favorites, then that's kind of unfair. And I don't really want to hype up anybody that, you know, might end up being a bust because we saw how that worked with Julian Gauthier. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I think definitely in terms of guys that are most ready, Jake Bean has to be near the top of that list because, I mean, as you can see, he's done incredibly well with the checkers this season. I think last I checked, he was... I think tied for first in the league in defensive scoring, if not, you know, close to it because mm -hmm. let's see. Yeah. He, he had 48 points in 59 games uh, before the season ended. And that's after setting a career high of 44 points in 70 games the previous year. And so everybody's favorite checker, Josh Bean is doing quite well now. <laughs> um, Jake, Josh Bean. I'm still trying to make that bit happen. <laughs> So, yeah, Bean is definitely a player that I'd put near the top of that list because he's so good, especially at the AHL level. The only thing that's holding him back is that we have four left-handed defensemen in the NHL right now. So mm -hmm. definitely going to be a little tough for him. But the organization's high on him, obviously, because you know, he was another player that they decided to keep at the mm -hmm. deadline. So, um, Number two spot, uh, I'd, have to, I'd have to give this – to Jamison Reese because of how well he fits Rod's system. He's, he's a guy, he, he's not the best skater. He's mostly just above average, but his motor is what, what impresses me the most. I mean, this is a player that never stops. He'll just go 100%. He'll give that every shift. 
he'll forecheck, he'll be on the penalty kill, he'll be on the power play, he'll make a big hit when he needs to, he'll be responsible defensively, and, you know, it just, he just doesn't stop. And that, that really fits Rod's system. The only thing that he's going to need to work on is staying a little disciplined because we saw this year he had yeah. he missed 12 games due to two separate suspensions. So hopefully that can be eliminated from his game. But Reese is definitely a player that um, I'd put at the top or probably second if we're doing this. But there's also maybe about four or five guys that could be on this list that won't be. You know, that's just how deep the system is. Right. Third, I'd give it to Joey Keane. Um, which everybody's going to be like, oh, no, Ryan Suzuki, what? But <laughs> he almost made his debut this year with the Rangers, and the Rangers are deep defensively. Even though their defense isn't the greatest at the NHL level, Like they have a lot of really good defensemen. So this goes to show how high they were on him, and he's done really well in Charlotte. He fits the system well as a responsible two-way defenseman, maybe with not the highest upside, maybe only a third-pairing guy, kind of like a TVR type player, but. I mean, there's value in that, and he's close to being ready. Um, Suzuki is an honorable mention for sure. Same with Drury. Um, I debated putting Pustola on this list as well, but I think this year, you know, he didn't grow as much as we thought he would because his coach with his Liga team didn't play him at all. He was getting eight minutes of ice time per game, which is a rant for another day. Yeah, disappointing to say the least. And it's, it's nothing, I'm so sorry, I have to say this. It's nothing to do with the player he is, it's just the coach. Because when Finland struggled at the World Juniors a couple of years ago, it's because they had the same coach and he didn't want to play any of the good young players they had. He just wanted to play a lot of like the okay 20-year-old crap that they had and it just wasn't good. So, right. soapbox, I'm off my soapbox now, I just <laughs> had to get that out. Yeah, well, Finland's got so many good young players that could be stars at that level um you know it's only a matter of time before i guess that their international coaching realizes that and deploys them effectively because uh these guys i mean you've seen what some of the young finished nhl stars are doing um and we've got one, one on the team uh and a few finished guys that can that were there at one point as well um so i think it's only a matter of time before those guys get kind of more exposure uh but i agree with you yeah i was surprised that that he didn't get as much of a chance um I was excited about him in that last draft. How'd you, how'd you think the Hurricanes did in, in the um, 2019 draft? So I missed the draft because I was on vacation with my family. Um, so the draft happened when I was asleep. So <laughs> I missed the whole draft. I told somebody to text me every pick we made. I kept getting texts and texts. And I'm like, no, there's no way we made all these picks. There's no way we made all these picks. Like, I was like, okay, Suzuki, that's good. You know, I I liked what I had seen from him uh, in spurts last year. And I think, you know, Barry wasn't a very good team to showcase his talents. Um, but I liked the pick, especially at 28. And then Kajakov, I'm like, cool, we got the goalie of the future. Awesome. Even better. Then we get Jamison Reese, and that's the first text I got. And I'm like, wow, really? Like, 44? Like, that's where he fell? Because I had, honestly, when I watched Jamison Reese last year, I thought he was a first-round pick. Maybe a late first-round pick, but I definitely thought he had that kind of potential. And then, you know, we get Pustola, who people liked as a first-round pick. We had Honka, who I liked. We had Fensori, and I loved, I love Dominic Fensori. Still will, always will. What a player. 
And then, you know, Tiexla, who I had watched like one game of his because it's really hard to find Finnish U20 games online. Um, and I'd been able to find some clips and stuff in the game. Was blown away with this guy. I still think he's like a mini Aho. Not going to be nearly as good, but the same type of player, which is exciting. And, you know, just all the players we pick have NHL potential, which is crazy. Yeah. And guys like Kevin yeah. Wall have, you know, Kevin Wall, who was a player that I had no clue. I had no clue that he existed. And I saw him at Prospects Camp and I was like, oh, this kid can actually play. You know, he's got a good shot. He's a decent skater. And he's, he did okay for Penn State this year. And Penn State was a great team. So, you know, it was a great, it was a great 2019 draft. Um, I need to temper expectations for the 2020 draft, but, you know, <laughs> if we can even do half as well as we did in this past draft, like the team will be set for. Yeah, just keep drafting Fins, right? That's the strategy. That's, that's got to be the strategy at this point. I mean, <laughs> it's working out. And then, and I think now, you know, the Canes have a Russian scout, which they haven't had for forever. And right. so now they're going to take advantage of that market in a fit because no teams draft Russians. Boston, Columbus, and maybe Chicago and a couple other teams do, but over half the teams in the league don't draft Russians, and I think that that's a really big mistake. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, I don't know. I guess there's like a stigma, but to me it's changed a lot, um, you know, over like the last maybe 10 years or so. Um, and, I mean, there's so many super talented players at that level. I I can't put my brain in the same rational place as NHL executives that decide to just kind of forego that level of talent. But what, who am I? You know, I just do a podcast. <laughs> yeah. I just, I just work here, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right. Um, on to the fun part, at least maybe for a few listeners, we've got some Twitter questions. Um, I'm sure you get a lot of Twitter questions, but uh, I got a few for you here. First one here is from Mike Mathis at Kaniac Mathis on Twitter. He says, any college UFAs the Canes would be signing? What do you think on that? I'm going to go ahead and assume that he meant uh, undrafted free agents. Yes, yes. Because, you know, obviously we have our own free agents that we need to sign, like our seniors. But, mm -hmm. uh, see, this is tough for me because I'm in the camp that thinks college free agents are a little overhyped every year. Mm -hmm. Partially because, you know, these are guys, a lot of them are in their mid-20s already, and sure, they're dominating the NCAA, but they're also near the peak of their career. I also think that sometimes hockey media just doesn't have anything to talk about because the trade deadline's passed, the playoffs haven't started yet, and so there's just this gap of nothing in the middle. And so they got to overhype these guys to get airtime. But that's my tinfoil hat conspiracy <laughs> theory for the day. But I don't think you're too far off, honestly. I, if there was any player that I would consider signing, it would be Liam Folks from Penn State. Um, I was able to watch a few Penn State games this year because, you know, Kevin Wall, I wanted to see this player more after seeing him in prospects camp and folks was a player that consistently stood out. Um, he, he obviously had a bit of a down year after 42 points last year, but 
he, he's got a really good motor. He skates really fast and he can score goals. I mean, he's five, eight, which, you know, that's automatically going to put him on the blacklist for certain NHL teams and executives, but why not give this kid a shot? You know, other than that, I really don't know. I don't pay attention to many college free agents because it's such a lottery. And I mean, if your team gets it great, and then there's not a chance, there's a chance that he could not work out and you know, you're, you're out of luck. Then I think the last two free agents we signed were Podorowski who worked out really well for the checkers. Right. And then Jacob Pritchard, who has been mostly an A or ECHL player this year. So it, it's just kind of a crapshoot. It's, it's more of a crapshoot than the draft in my opinion. So I really don't know. Yeah, I'm with you there. I, I agree with that as well. It's kind of a, it's kind of a weird, I don't know, dynamic around these college guys and and what they end up being. And I do agree that a lot of them probably end up being overhyped. And uh, the reasons that you mentioned are a pretty good idea of why that could be the case. Um, I mean, you know, there's a reason like Tory Krug was a free agent, and look at how good of a career he's had. But like, right. not everybody's going to be a Tory Krug, or you know, like. Gaudreau was drafted, but in the fourth round, so, you know, kind of the same deal. Like, not everybody's going to be a Gaudreau, or, you know. It's really just, you're kind of shooting for the stars and hoping that you hit something. Yeah, I think, I think exactly what you said, that the fact that some of these guys get signed and, and go have these crazy careers, um, kind of, it is like a lottery thing. Like, GMs get this idea that, oh, well, you know, it could happen and it's relatively cheap for us to, to do it. So, you know, let's take a shot. It is like buying a, buying a prospect lottery ticket, if you will. Yeah. So. All right. Next question we got here is from at Bobble on Twitter. Um, he first wanted to Sorry, ask but... about... What's that? Oh, I said... I'm sorry that it was a non-answer, but I really just don't know about, you know, oh, no. college free agents. Yeah, who knows? Who knows? Um, question from at Bobble here on Twitter. He wanted to ask about Kachetkov and the goalie depth. Um, you mentioned kind of Kachetkov as, uh, you know, a potential goalie of the future. So uh, what, what are your thoughts on, on him and the Canes goaltending situation in general? So, I mean, we've seen how Ned has played in the NHL. I'd still like to see what he could do with a defense that doesn't turn over the puck in front of him. Um, I'm, not that I'm bitter or anything, but I think that, you know, we've seen that Ned can be a dynamic goalie. I really think that he didn't get a whole lot of help from the defense in some of his losses. Some of the goals were obviously on him, but I do think that he was playing very well at certain points. Um, other than that, I mean, Callum Booth has played in the ECHL for three straight years. I, I'd love to see him get more of a chance in the AHL. I thought this year was going to be his year, but then we traded for Forsberg, and so I don't know what the future holds for him. I'd like to see him back because I think he has potential, but I really don't know. Um, there's the whole Jeremy Helvig situation, um, which Yikes. isn't good. Um, so I, I don't want to speculate or anything, but I can't see him returning. Uh, right. It's probably a smart assumption. <laughs> yeah. Like I, I can't speculate and you know, yeah, that's ugh, yikes. Yeah. 
Jack LaFontaine is a player who I had kind of written off two years ago. But he's done very well in the past two years. I mean, he spent a year in the BCHL to transfer to the University of Minnesota, was the BCHL's goalie of the year last year, was a phenomenal player for them, and has done very well with Minnesota this year. His stats are, you know, what you would hope for in a college goalie. And um, in talking, I got to talk with some of the folks from Cat Friendly about two weeks ago when I was writing something about our upcoming free agents. And it sounds like LaFontaine will actually have another year of eligibility for us, which is huge. Um, so, like, we don't have to sign him this year, even though this would have been his senior season. Like, we get to sign we have the option to let him play another year in college. And that's huge for us because you want him to develop this year. You know, he played in 25 games, had a 919 save percentage, which, you know, that's above average, but Minnesota even had a down year. So if they can get a better team next year, I'd be really curious. Actually get a national championship. So he has, he's been a player that's kind of surged to make an impact. Other than that, Ichimaki Niemi um, has had a phenomenal season, both in the Finnish second league, which is Mestis. And he's played six games, I think, with the, uh, what can I think of it? Ills in Liga, or seven games. And he's allowed less than, he's allowed one or less goal, I think all but one or two games. So that's a player that I'd really keep an eye on as well, especially next year, which is his contract year. Other than that, I think this is the year to draft a goalie. Yeah, nice. Um, all right, well, uh, at Bobble wasn't done there. He also asked, in addition to the goalie depth, what do you think we are lacking in general depth that you see filled via the draft? Will it be a hodgepodge of all positions or what specific targets, i.e. right shot forwards and defensemen, do you think they'll need? I mean, I think you kind of hit it on the head there. I mean, obviously you want more right shot forwards and defensemen, right? Right into defensemen are a commodity. Um, so anytime you can draft a good one of those, you're going to take the opportunity to do it. The reason why I say it's a time to pick a goalie is because it seems like two goalies that you have aren't working out as well. Um, LaFontaine could be good, but he's still a year away from the AHL, and you don't know. Same with Kajakov. He's still a year away from the AHL because um, he has to play in Russia next year due to his contract. Um, and other than that, maybe Makinyemi works out, but you don't know. So maybe pick another goalie, see what happens, because I think I read somewhere that they're drafting a goalie is kind of like drafting a pitcher in baseball. Like three of ten might work out. So yeah. You're going to want to take as many chances as you get. Other than that, it's not a very good draft for defensemen. So we're probably going to see more forwards drafted than not because from what I've seen, there aren't a whole lot of great defensemen in this draft. But I could be wrong. Uh, I haven't studied this draft as well as I had last year's draft because of school and everything. But I've definitely gotten the sense from people that I've talked to that it's a, it's a more forward-heavy draft for sure. Gotcha. All right. Well, Matt, everything you've said has been fantastic. Thanks so much for bringing all of your 
knowledge along here. Um, I want to give you this last little opportunity. If there's anything you want to plug or anything you're working on, or if you just want to give somebody a shout out, floor is yours, man. Go ahead. Well, so first off, we're, I am going to plug the Kane's Twitter franchise mode, which is going on over at Kane's Netfront on Twitter. Uh, I've been doing that on the quarantine almost on a daily basis now. Um, I think I have almost 40 people that have been created from Kane's Twitter that are going on through their NHL careers. It's on YouTube if you want to check it out. Um, the link is in my Twitter. Other than that, I do want to give a shout out to, obviously, you guys. You guys are putting in the work here. Um, it's a really tough time for Kane's coverage because there's nothing going on. So everybody that is putting out Kane's content, whether it's like an article, a YouTube video, a podcast, like a tweet, a post, like it's all greatly appreciated because we all miss hockey. So everybody that's, you know, just putting out content at this time, it's really awesome that we're still finding love for hockey and its absence. Cause I mean, I think we all, it's safe to say we all miss it. Yeah, for sure. Myself included. Um, and I appreciate your appreciation. And uh, I feel the same way about all the other guys and, and girls, um, you know, putting out content. It's not easy to do. You got to get creative. Um, but luckily, the good thing about this little quarantine period is that a lot of people have a lot more free time. Uh, and it means that I get to talk to more cool people because they have less going on. So I guess that's that's a positive we can get out of this whole situation. Um but Matt, I thank you again for your time. Um, go follow Matt at Kane's Netfront and at Kane's Prospects if you want to hear about prospects. Uh, thanks so much. And you guys take it easy. We'll be back on Monday.